Welcome to Conversations in Confidence, where you get a front row seat to learn the insider tips, tricks, and insights to help you win the mental game of music. So, without further ado, please take your seat and welcome your host, Paul Crick, the Performance Confidence Coach. Hello and welcome on a real wintry day in November. Thanks for downloading and streaming another episode of Conversations in Confidence. I've been training alongside my guests both here and in North America over the last seven years as we've both been building our respective skills and practices in helping others with a range of emotional health and well-being challenges. Christopher Paul Jones is the breakthrough expert. The term expert has been watered down and overused over time. However, it's a word that really does apply to Chris. He's a triple accredited coach and his ongoing continuing professional development fits around his bustling Harley Street practice in London, which sees a regular flow of clients seeking help for a range of health and well-being challenges. I'm delighted that we get to hang out regularly and debate, and sometimes argue, some of the finer points of different approaches to helping others with their emotional and physical well-being issues. It's okay, it's not as scary as it sounds. There's no punchline to the joke, two psychotherapists walked into a bar. However, we both believe in having as many tools available and at our disposal to help others as we can. So sit back and enjoy this conversation with today's guest, Christopher Paul Jones. Hi Chris, how are you doing? Hi Paul, I'm doing great, thank you. How are you? Yeah, no, all's good up here. I don't know where the summer's gone today, but it's good otherwise. How's your world? Uh, world is good, yeah. A little bit cloudy, but at least uh, it's not raining, so that's good. Oh, good. All right. Well, now we've got the English tradition of discussing yeah, the weather yeah, out of the way. The weather, probably, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So for those who haven't come across you before, Chris, tell us a little bit about your background and the story of how you got to where you are now. Oh, where would you like me to start? Well, I I fell into all this by accident, really. I was a cameraman initially, and I ended up having to do some jobs where it required me to get over some fears. So, you know, I had to film from helicopters and that kind of thing. And I came across neuro-linguistic programming, or NLP, and that was really my first exposure to these tools that could really make rapid change. From there, I learned uh, hypnotherapy, integrated psychotherapy, and cognitive behavioral therapy, and a whole lot of other techniques and tools for basically helping people with their fears, phobias, and anxieties. That's where I am today, really. You're a specialist in dealing with anxiety, stress, and fear. What made you choose that? So I think for me, overcoming fear was the big thing. I think what was really stopping me from getting where I wanted to be in life was fear, whether that's you know fear of public speaking, fear of airplanes. I had lots of these fears, and when I combated them, I realized how much better my life would could be. So that's really why I went down that line, why I started to help people in that area, because it's so empowering. It's not just about someone being scared of lifts or planes. It's really about how they see their whole world. So when you say you combated your fears and anxieties, you know, give us some examples of you know, the sorts of things that you've done. I mean, I think the major one was, was a fear of flying. So when I was first learning these tools and I had to, I was filming snowboarding, which was popular at the time, and I was in the Pyrenees Mountains. And they basically went, right, so what we need to do is get an aerial shot of, of these snowboarders coming down the mountain. I'm like, okay, how, how are we going to do that? Well, you see that helicopter, what we're going to do is strap you to the outside of it, and you're going to have to film them coming down the mountain. So not only are you going to be on the outside of a helicopter, 
passing through these mountains and dodging them, basically. You're going to have to hold on to the camera and concentrate on getting the shot, which was quite scary for someone who had a fear of heights and a fear of flying. So that was really my first trial by fire. I think the next one, as, uh, as I perfected my skills and got into sort of teaching other people how to do it, was public speaking. I, I was not a good public speaker at all. I was very nervous. I was like, oh, people are looking at me. People are you know, judging me. So that was the next opportunity I had really to work on these skills and really develop them. So what causes anxiety? Because uh, we seem to suffer a lot of it. And I know in the world of music, and certainly across the performing arts, you know, anxiety is one of those things that, Really, if you're a creative person, you've got to go and make friends with. What is it? That's quite a big question with a long answer. Go for it. I mean, I think I think anxiety, there's a lot of factors that causes phobias, fears, and anxieties. I think it can be everything anything from sort of what you're thinking about. So your thoughts, what you believe in that moment. So you go, as I said, oh, everyone's judging me, everyone's gonna laugh. Down to the feelings in your body, you know, kinesthetic, the emotions that are associated with it. Down to your personal history. So if you had an incident in the past, and for me with public speaking, it was one of the significant ones was being made to stand up and read at about eight years old. I was not a good reader. I, I was labeled dyslexic and just remembering being laughed at. Now, I'd held on to that image you know, well into my 30s. So a lot of, so it can be history from the past. It can be your thoughts. It can be what you call triggers. It's normally a combination of all of those, though. It can be several things running at once. And with things like flying phobia as well, often these people talk about like it's one thing. And flying phobia can be a fear of heights combined with a fear of claustrophobia, loss of control. So they can be several phobias going on at once. So I, I noticed you've sort of switched from the term anxiety to phobia. And I, I'm just, you know, someone listening to this might not know the difference. So what's a phobia? So people use the term phobia when they often mean fear or, right. or being scared or anxious. I mean, technically, a phobia is something you cannot do. So if you have a phobia, you see it and just instantly feel it. So it, it's, it's an instant response. It's not a logical response. It's not an intellectual response. It's an automated response. And if someone has a full-blown phobia, they wouldn't. They often can't even look at a, a stage or look at a plane. So very often when people label something a phobia, what they really mean is maybe a fear or an anxiety. So a phobia has a response to it, which sounds like it's quite debilitating. Yes. So the you know the ability to look at something, go anywhere near something, you know, basically you're running in the opposite direction to whatever it is you're phobic about. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, down to the fact that people can even hear the word in some cases and, and just completely hide. No, so, and I've dealt with all extremes of that, from people that are like, oh, I, I do it, but I don't like it, down to if you say that word, I am going to start crying and freaking out. So We were talking about flying phobias. And as you know, this podcast is sort of geared to musicians. And one of the things about musicians, they spend a lot of their life on tour, often sitting in metal tubes up in the air for up to 16 hours at a time. And I wondered if you'd worked with musicians in the past who'd had a flying phobia. Yes, I've worked with quite a few musicians and celebrities. I'm not allowed to give names on this, but it can be very debilitating for anyone who's kind of in that circuit where they're trying to build their career because they need to be seen, and if they can't get on a plane, that's going to limit them. Or if their career is well-established, it's going to cost them money, they can't tour, they can't do these things, or it's causing, at the very least, a lot of unnecessary anxiety, a lot of unnecessary fear. And when you work with these folks, give me an example of how you might approach someone who comes to you and says, look, I'm really scared of getting on a plane. Well, I think the first thing I would do is explore the history. 
So with a phobia, there's going to be something in their past, whether they consciously remember it or not, that caused at least this fear to start being created, at least these beliefs to start. What you'd call maybe stimulus response or an anchor. Now, this is from the story of Pavlov's dog, and I don't know if I have time in this podcast to talk about that. But in short, he would ring a tuning fork, feed the dog, feed the tuning fork, feed the dog, ring a tuning fork, feed the dog. Eventually, he would ring a tuning fork and the dogs would salivate like they were going to be fed. Now, whenever I grab my coat, my dog always runs to the door because she knows she's going to be either be left or she's going for a walk. Now, these things humans do all the time. So if you've experienced anything repeatedly in this particular emotional state, it's going to create a linkage in your mind between that and either feeling pain or feeling pleasure. So that's what we call a stimulus response or an anchor. So what I would do first is look at the history and try and explore what first created those triggers. And once you've had a look at the history or someone's past or their story, then where does it go from there? Well, the next thing is really to change their associations to this. And this really depends on where it lies within the client, within the musician. So, for example, it could be a belief. It could be, oh, flying is dangerous. So they have this repeating thought. So by changing someone's perceptions to that, by giving them a new way of thinking, a new perspective, that will often disappear. As I said before, sometimes it's an emotional thing. It's, it's the feeling in the body and there's lots of techniques and tips that I can do to change those associations and once that association is changed in the first event it will often change later on as well it'll definitely reduce it for into the future so give me an example of what you might do so you know you're going to change the way I think about something I think the simplest way to explain it is you can't you know what's the old saying some some spiritual saying you can't have love and hate in the same place in the same way that you can't be happy and sad at the same time so if you create a trigger, if you create a linkage in your mind to something very positive, very powerful, and then try and experience the old negative, as long as the positive is more is built stronger than the negative, it will actually cancel the other one out. And so instantly you can feel better. Wow, that's interesting. And it's that straightforward. It really is. I mean, the other thing to do is, you know, if you couldn't stop laughing, for example, you ever felt bad and then suddenly something kept making you laugh. And then now when you think about that, all you think about is laughter. I had a client the other day, actually, who had a fear of turbulence. And I'm not sure what your audience is here, so I'll give you the PG-13 version. I got her to think of being connected with her partner, let's put it that way, when she thought about turbulence. And now whenever she thinks about turbulence, she's looking forward to it and really excited. So it can be very easy to change those triggers like that, yeah. That's amazing. And I'm always fascinated when we're talking what an amazing piece of machinery the human body is and and all the various systems within it. I think we don't necessarily appreciate what it's capable of because of what we're taught, I think. Uh, that's probably fair to say. Well, I think we spend most of our time, we spend our school, our university, you know, most of our life taught to work with the analytical mind, taught to try and make sense of things. And if you go back to the early days of psychotherapy, that was also what they were trying to do. They were trying to make sense of unconscious processes. Now, I'm not saying that's a good or a bad thing, but you do miss something. When you try and analyze an emotion, it doesn't work because emotions don't work on logic. And so it needs a completely different way of talking to it, you know, work with it i think one of my mentors once said you know the unconscious mind or subconscious mind is a powerful tool that stores all our memories and all our learnings but it doesn't organize it can't organize and it needs to be taught so the unconscious needs to be taught how to respond to find new ways of behaving basically and until it's educated it will just learn whatever the quickest route was to get the result now at the time it so it sees a plane and thinks it's protecting you for example 
when really you know it's not. Sounds like what you're saying is it's more than just thinking positively. So there's a lot of people in the world of practical psychology that will talk about, oh, just think positively and everything will be all right. What I sense is you're talking about something a bit deeper than that. Yes. And so that comes back to my earlier point of trying to logically make sense of it. And, you know, so a lot of people look at the statistics of fear of flying and go, well, you know, it's more dangerous to cross the street. In fact, I was looking at studying more people get killed by hippos each year. In fact, more people get killed falling out of bed each year than get killed falling out of uh, than flying. So you look at the logical part and it doesn't make any sense. You try and talk to that and go, well, it's, it's silly, it's stupid, I need to... That's not going to help it because it doesn't exist in that domain. Now, when I start talking about the subconscious mind or the unconscious mind and talking directly with it, some people start thinking sort of in terms of hypnotherapy or, or hypnosis. And they think, oh, isn't that where you ever of chairs and make someone think they're a chicken? And it's not really about that, but it is getting in touch with that other part of you, that other part of your mind uh, that makes decisions in a very different way. And when you can tap into that, that's really the old freedom that sounds quite fantastic and i wish we had a, a, a lot longer to talk about it yes so for people out there who may be anxious or may even have a phobia do you have a quick tip that you could share with them well i think one of the very quick things you can do in the moment if you start to have fear or anxiety come up is literally change your physiology so if you are feeling anxious stressed it will show up in your body if you just imagine putting your chest right out, lifting your head as far back as you can and putting a giant smile on your face and then try and think about that thing you were scared of, fearful of, anxious of, you'll find it so hard to bring back. Just that little change in your physiology will affect how you feel. Now, you might not want to do this in public because people will be like, it's strange. But, you know, if you've got the privacy, it will make a huge difference in that moment and really change how you feel instantly. The other one to do is obviously concentrate on breathing. If you focus on breathing in your stomach rather than your lungs and take deep breaths, that will also change your state. So by breathing in your stomach, you mean taking a breath in, but breathing, sort of filling your belly Yes, rather, so rather actually, than filling your lungs. Actually pushing your stomach out as you breathe in. Right. And pushing it in as you breathe out. Yeah. And actually holding that and doing that very slowly. Again, those two in combination will make a huge difference. Fantastic. Well, there's a, there's a couple of quick tips that I hope listeners will find useful. As Chris says, you know, it looks a bit weird if you're doing this at the public. So find somewhere that you're comfortable and then just have a go. And I know from personal experience that this stuff really works. So go to it. So if people want to connect with you, Chris, what's the best way to do that? Well, they can, I mean, if they want some tips, I mean, I've given a little bit of explanation here, but if they want to see some in-depth techniques to help them, some that deal with the past, some that deal with just their physiology, how they are in the moment, they can go on my YouTube channel. So that's breakthroughexpertv.com and they can look at my tips, videos and things like that. And that should help them with wherever they're at and they can also see some of my clients as well some of my working one-to-one good and if they want to get in touch with you personally to work with um, you what, what should they do they should check out my website first and then get in touch drop me an email so if they go to that's christopherpauljones.net and they can see my work there have a look at the kind of things i do Chris, thank you so much for being on today's podcast. I sense we could have gone on forever and talked at length about a number of different perspectives and topics that you'd mentioned, because I know from our previous conversations that there's much detail and depth to understand in those. But for now, thanks ever so much for being on today's show. 
I hope we get to talk again soon. You're very welcome. Have a great day. These interviews always seem to be too short, and I don't always get to share everything I possibly can with you by shining the spotlight on my guests. And Chris is no exception. There is a ton of stuff I know he knows that would have been great to share with you. However, thankfully, there's YouTube, and I encourage you to go and subscribe to Chris's channel, where you'll find a ton of tips and insights that will address many of the typical emotional well-being challenges that we all experience from time to time. You'll find the details in this podcast show notes, and you can mouse along to Chris's website. Well, that's all we've got time for this time. I hope you liked what you heard. Please do mouse on over to iTunes and leave me some feedback and some comments. Tell me what you liked, what you didn't like, and what you'd like to hear more of. If you have any suggestions for other guests you'd like me to interview, then please do let me know. Until next time, stay warm, take care, bye for now. Well, that wraps up another episode of Conversations in Confidence. Tune in next Monday for more tips, tricks and insights with Paul Crick, the Performance Confidence Coach.